The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers Three, and we don't need no stinking virus. Um, Ken, Derek, myself, Mike, and joining us from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, we have Rob and Tom. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Just happy to be on with you guys. And uh, that that uh, intro song will get your blood pumping every time. So it's the back ready to go. Yeah, I, I, it is. I think I heard somewhere along the lines that I think that the Scottish derived their lineage from the Wookiees. Is that correct? Uh, because quite, it sure sounds that way. Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite quotes from Piper, and anytime anyone brings up bagpipes, I, I always bring up this quote. Piper always said on his podcast, which I always, which I love and I have archived, bagpipes, they make you want to do two things, either go in a battle or make love. Like, <laughs> it works. So hopefully the bagpipes make you want to... going into battle, right? Tell me we're going into battle here. Hopefully the bagpipes <laughs> make you want to love the show as it as it comes through your ears so um, it's gonna be missions before we get into the meat of the show it is that time like we always do and hopefully you guys are ready for it oh boy yep it is time for Smuggler's Feud. I, I found that music on royalty free. I'm like, okay, it sounds cantina-ish, but I love that little <laughs> boom at the end. Like, it's the game show. Um, so Smuggler's Feud is like Family Feud, but we play it a little bit different. Instead of one team collecting three strikes and the other team stealing, it's the first team to three strikes. Loses. Um, <laughs> one that out there. And... Because we would have done much better if it was the first team to three strikes wins. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Uh, we would have a whole lot more wins. <laughs> well, right now, the record is Wookiee Radio, three wins. These pens come from. We, we have and three wins? We have three wins. Holy moly. And really? other podcasters, three wins. So it's all tied up. So um, that leaves it up to you guys to represent the rest of the podcasting world. We just have to worry no about pressure. us. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so we're going to go back and forth. And um, if you've listened to previous shows, which the more people who are doing more podcasters who come on and join us have more advantage because they get the idea of what the game is like. Don't think like a typical Star Wars fan. That's the catch here. Yeah. You can't think like a normal fan. You got to think like a man on the street. I thought so, with regular family, it was straight to the toilet. It can, <laughs> it can be. Yeah, right? Well, when they wrote this game, they tried to make it a family game. So, yeah, <laughs> I like it. Uh, and there are other versions of this game because I also have Marvel and Disney Family Feuds. Well, mm. so I have four cards in front of me. Um, Tom, I'll let you pick a number one through four. Ooh, I'm always big on three. Three. Ready? And the question is, there are six answers on the board. If you were visiting the planet Tatooine, what would you pack? We're going to start off with Jedi Temple Archives or the sake of the rest of the show, JTA. So all can confer and know when you have a final answer. Rob, I take it. You have an idea oh, on this? I, I have to go with uh, with the bottle of your trusty Tuscan tan sunscreen. <laughs> that was really going to be my first choice, too. You say sunscreen? <laughs> yeah. Number two answer. Yeah. Very nice, sir. Okay, Derek. Number one is sitting there. You have an idea? I, uh, let's go with a hat. Number three. Ooh. Number three answer. Ooh. And I figured out tiebreak. Whoever gets the number one answer wins the tiebreak. If Ooh. neither team wins. I know. Tom's going to nail it right here. Well, I mean, just in case we don't happen to have a moisture evaporator around, we're obviously going to need some water. Number one, sir. You guys keep swiping my answer. My partner is all about hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. If you ever listen to his other podcast, <laughs> uh, you will often get that advice. So there are three answers left on the board. So since this is number four, five, six, it's going to be the kind of getting into the weird stuff. Uh, hmm. Any ideas? I got plenty, but I'm holding card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ken? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I know that it's great for an audio podcast to sit there and think and not say anything. Um, yeah, but this thinking but... time gets shortened quite a bit. So Yeah. Let's go with fuel for the vehicles. I don't know. Gas, fuel. Mm, right. so. See, my two cho- my first two choices have already been chosen. <laughs> <laughs> we did that on purpose. Back over to <laughs> JTA. Right. Oh, Bob, man. have you the next one? I don't know. I'm just thinking of, thinking of Anakin. He didn't like sand. It's it's coarse and it's <laughs> gets it's everywhere. Yeah. It does. Um I'd have to go with the good blaster. Mm. Back over to Wookiee Radio. I let the Star Wars side of my brain take hold. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic blunder. Answers given already. Number one, water. Number two, sunscreen. Number three, hat. Three more on the board. I got there. Sunglasses. Oh, good one. Number six. Ooh. Number six. There okay. Number six. Hmm. Wow. Well, it's two to thinking two now. Not, thinking not like a Star Wars fan. Makes it tough. Oh, man. What would be next? Well, I, I've got an idea. All right, Rob. A fan, probably, of some sort. (laughs) Oh, so close so far. (laughs) Wookiee Radio, back over to you guys. Two answers left. I got one, Derek, if you want. Sure. How about an air conditioner? Oh. Oh, 
we're even up on the strikes now, too. Got so. you with, he got you with the so close, but so far. So close, <laughs> but so far. You must be sitting All right. in the nosebleed. Wow, this is tough. Um, hmm. You were visiting the planet Tatooine. What would you take the pack? Do we have a time limit? I think Florida yeah. in the summer. <laughs> um... And I want to say a womp rat trap, but I'm not going to say that. Oh. Uh, how about a, just a, you know, a nice, a cooler. How about a cooler? You need a cooler with you to store that water to make sure it's cold. Uh, okay, Derek, you got to redeem us. Oh, One strike boy. left. Uh, I got one, but it's not going to be on there. So go ahead. I'm going to go with sh- shorts. Number hey. five. Oh. Wookie Radio steals one. Wow. Oh, I went with that one too. Darn it. Again, I've never seen anyone in Star Wars wearing shorts. Yeah. Spaceballs, yes. That's my problem. Spaceballs, yeah. Right, exactly. That's on the yeah, other my, side of the What number room. was short? Number five. That was on the other number side of the outer room that Spaceballs took place. Uh, number four <laughs> answer. That, that was on the far side of the unknown regions. Yeah. Also number, from Spaceballs mm-hmm. a couple. Number yeah. number four answer summer clothes. Mm, that's strange. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, Tommy Bahama like, shirt. You know you're out. Yeah. There. Hawaiian shirt, mouse ears. Right, hey, you're good. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about Jedi Temple Archives and how y'all got started. All right. Well, I guess I'll uh, I'll tell the story. So Tom and I had uh, both actually tried out for uh, a panel that basically gives travel advice for folks going to Walt Disney World. We kind of met through that process. Um, and kind of had that mutual love of Star Wars. So we had started talking a lot of Star Wars stuff. Tom had actually done his video for that in his, uh, in his Jedi robes. So we connected pretty quickly over that and, uh, and his love of Obi-Wan and everything. And, um, he actually has a podcast called the Hyperion Adventures podcast that he does with his wife, Michelle, uh, which is a, a Disney based podcast. So, um, he had been doing that for, I don't know, coming up on probably six months, Tom, around, around the time that we started talking about about a Star Wars podcast, I would guess. I, I think it was around. That seems like about the timeline when we actually got. I was pushing you to do it. You you suggested that you might want to do it. We pushed you for a little while on it, and you finally committed. And look what a success it's it's brought about. Right, right. Yeah. Initially, it was actually Tom had talked about maybe wanting to start a, a podcast, a Jedi Council type podcast. Um, but I think that you know getting the other podcast up and going was was taking a lot of time and energy. So um, you know it worked out good for me because I. I've always wanted to give back to the Star Wars community. I've been a fan of Star Wars since I was four, um, watching the original film when it came out and, um, you know, had followed the EU. And yeah, I was laughing a little bit as I listened to your conversations episode because Charles dropped the the dark times. Uh, So I'm having an influence on him. So, uh, you know, I I just had always followed it um, when the prequels came out. And of course, the the re-release of the original films prior to the, the prequels and even up until now so it's always been a part of my life um it was just a perfect opportunity for me to get out there and then do something to give back to the community and i really kind of saw there being a need for uh and it actually was kind of uh, alerted to me by my wife who is is the casual star wars fan the, the person who grew you know has watched the films hasn't really paid attention to a lot of the 
other content and always had questions about now who is this and you know what is this related to and so I kind of approach it from the standpoint of trying to um, you know inform the casual fan about things that are going to increase their love of the Star Wars films and Tom and I always end up talking about Clone Wars and Rebels and the depth that that adds to the films uh, where even you can go back and and see something maybe you've seen 20 times and uh, see it in a whole new light so uh, it's a lot of fun Uh, met a lot of great podcasters and other folks through doing it Um, and it gives Tom and I a way to connect from all the way across the country and occasionally we get a chance to meet up usually down at Walt Disney World and uh, now that we've got Galaxy's Edge on board uh, we get to go down there and and enjoy that as well I've been twice (laughs) I'm blacked out until the end of May at the moment so not happy, happy about that. Not happy about I have a dream. longer now. I have a dream about getting a crew together. Uh, I talked to David from Followers of the Force, who's also a cast member down yep. there, uh, and Charles and Pat, obviously, from Conversations. I would love to get a, a crew together when the blockouts are dropped and go to Galaxy's Edge and, and do a group ride on Smuggler's Run and put it in, in chewy mode. And, hey, uh, sign me up. Just have a great, yeah. Sign me up. Uh, it'd be, it'd yeah, be so fun I, to get, to get a, a crossover uh, gathering going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. And I actually live in Southern California, so I'm actually a hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, Disneyland, so I can get out oh. there. Uh, as Galaxy's Edge opened out there. Um, I was, we were there the very first weekend, but we also traveled to Walt Disney World a lot, and we've met with Rob out there many times, and uh, we really enjoy both both places uh, immensely, and uh, it's pretty great. But, you know, the funny thing about uh, the Jedi Temple Archives podcast is I join in, and I bring the fluff, but Rob brings the real knowledge here so if you're looking for a little bit of a little extra talk about it that really goes nowhere that's me rob is the one he is really the guardian of the jedi temple archives for sure yeah but your wife is the one came up with our slogan so yes that is true and that slogan would be the podcast that doesn't make you feel like a jerk Yeah. Star Wars podcast doesn't make you feel like a jerk. Star Wars podcast it doesn't make you feel like a jerk. She was trying to describe it and and, and how accessible it was to the casual fan, and uh, it just kind of came out a little twisted, and it stuck. She's trying to say, you know, how much, you know, if there's, if, if you're as a Star Wars fan, there are many fans out there that if you don't know everything about Star Wars, they let you know you don't know everything about yeah. Star Wars, you know, and unfortunately, that's a part of the community. However, um, many podcasts like yourselves and like the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, you know, they are very embracing of it. They teach you things without making you feel like a jerk because you don't right. happen to know every little thing thing about star wars right yeah i think that that's where our strengths wait, wait, wait. All, all play in as well wait wait there's people who don't know everything about star wars <laughs> well we try not to talk about it <laughs> yeah my wife <laughs> i uh, will go with my wife as well See, yeah. I'm the lucky one with my wife as an enabler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've she's got not that. as deep as I am in it, but she's a, she's a big, as big a geek as I am. Was it, since, yeah. since we're, since we're talking about uh, other podcasts and, and possibly getting a, a joint collaborative uh, podcast meetup, um, soiree, however we want to call it, a smugglers meeting, possibly uh, at Galaxy's Edge here in Florida uh, after things chill down in the universe. Um, rural Farm Boy on Twitter asks, what is your Star Wars podcast playlist? So what other Star Wars podcasts do you listen to uh, out there besides your own? Tom, do you want to leave this one off? <laughs> there goes the uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I listen to a, a few. I listen to, I mean, mostly since um, my podcast actually is a Disney-focused podcast, I listen to a lot of other Disney podcasts, but I do listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts, of course yours, uh, but also Conversations. Pat and Charles are excellent uh, and just extremely entertaining. Uh, I love uh, Scarif Scuttlebutt. Uh, that's a great one. Tatooine and Sons is a very positive podcast that I enjoy very much as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's more that are just uh, skipping my mind right now but uh, those are the ones that come to my mind okay, right well, off the bat we'll keep it top three then what's, what's the top three on the list uh, what about you Rob um, well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just keep it to three because I've got quite a few okay. um, but I won't blow you out of the water um, conversations uh, are a couple of guys that I have connected with um, we do a lot of uh, kind of offline chat um, and we actually have been doing some kind of uh, funny commercials together that we've been running across a number of, of the podcasts so uh, definitely listen to those those guys have been listening to you guys uh, since you came across my radar. Um, Scarif podcast I've listened to really since uh, I started out. They were one of the first podcasts I connected with. Uh, Rebel Force Radio was kind of the original um, that got me started, especially the Star Wars Oxygen series with David W. Collins. Oh, yeah. Um, when that yeah, when that went off the air, um, that was a total bummer. But fortunately, now he's got his soundtrack show, which I would highly recommend to anyone who likes the, the soundtrack stuff. Um, and then Galactic Podcast. Uh, I know they had submitted a question for you guys last week. And one of the newer ones is um, University of Coruscant with uh, James McDonald kind of doing his Sonny Ravencroft uh, kind of whatever, retired holodrama uh, student lecture type thing, uh, which cool. is a really unique take on on the podcast uh, world. And then WSTR Galactic Public Access, who I got a chance to meet up with them at the Scarif live event we did back last November in Chicago. Um, and they're just a great group. Uh, we had a lot of fun with them in the 501st. Yeah, we have a Galactic Podcast. Uh, they're coming on uh, April 15th. We're recording awesome. that show. So that, that weekend after, uh, it'll be yeah. available. Um, well, I guess we'll keep circling around. Derek, what? who's on your list? Star Wars <laughs> Podcast list. Listen here now, son. <laughs> What's the podcast? What's the Star Wars? No. Um, I'm going to be... Uh, To be perfectly honest, I don't actually listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. Uh, I still listen to the Hano, the Hollow, the Hano Chronicles, the Hollow Chronicles. Uh, Those guys were a lot of fun, and uh, I listen to Wookie Radio. That's a good one. You should check that one out. Um, (laughs) I've heard they're okay. It's the bagpipes. It's the bagpipes. I actually think about you guys, but now that I do, I'll start listening to your podcast as well. Um, but other than that, I don't really listen to too many others. What about you, Ken? I like to, I like to talk Star Wars usually, not okay. listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I, I have so many podcasts on my list because um, I have stuff for like comic books and wrestling and everything else that I don't. Have, there's not a lot of time for me to actually catch all the different podcasts. I have in the past listened to like Skywalking Through Neverland and um, well, Rebel uh, Force Radio is yeah. always on the list because I've been listening to them since the old show like 10 years ago. So it's one of those I've never left them. Um, the other one that's really good that doesn't really, it's not a Star Wars podcast, but Star Wars is infused everywhere he does things is um, Geek Out Loud. Steve Glosson is a huge Star Wars fan and it's just
just it's part of it's an all things geek show and it does multiple shows but um so it's always in there but it's not a specific star wars show but he does for his patreon do a star wars show that is um the star wars or forceology it's him and um shaz bazaar from the techno retro dads doing basically a study of the force from each of the different um clone wars episodes or what each of the movies and stuff just what is presented of on screen of what is the force that's another one too techno retro dads has a lot of star wars on it uh for me uh i've been listening to this show called jedi temple archives it's something about the name the name really stuck with me I, i like the name um Hollow Chronicles has been on the list. Um, I I am now listening to the Force Cast again because I used to listen to uh, what were they uh, Podcast sixty six what they were beforehand mm-hmm. before they were absorbed or moved over to the Force Cast or sign on with them. Um, and I still like the vibe of their show. When Force Cast came back after the split, I I had issues with it. Um, but when I heard that they were taking over Force Cast. Uh, I, s- I swayed back over. Um, Hollow Chronicles, uh, Conversations, um, basically anyone who has been on the show, I've been listening to, I definitely have enjoyed that friendship that has started from people coming on the show and going on. I've, I listen to Skywalking to Neverland off and on as well. Um, it's just, for me, it's hard to listen at work because of what I do. Uh, even though I'm in entertainment, I have downtime between shows. I'm still doing stuff with show, you know, with, with my stages. Uh, so it's what can I get in what week, you know, what days going back and forth to work. So then days off, if I'm not in a TV watching movie, trying to watch stuff on Disney Plus or wherever else. It's throw on the computer, throw some podcasts on, and go. Yeah, so it's super. Quite, uh, I think I was just going to start to keep up with everything. Yeah, I mean, I could, I yeah. could. It would almost be easier to say for sure what shows do I not listen to, but we're not going to do that because we're trying to stay positive. It's like, right? Oh, oh, yeah, no, I'm not listening to this show. It's just not in my my vibe. Um, <laughs> so what? I guess this has almost been a question that we've asked. Maybe I don't remember <laughs> why we need to archive it. Um. What was the first movie you guys saw in the theaters? I'll go first. I made Tom go first last time. So <clears throat> for me, it was uh, the original Star Wars film. Uh, and actually, when I was listening to the Conversations uh, episode last week that you guys had done, uh, I immediately connected because of the fact that you were talking about the, the seeing the original Star Wars in the drive-in. Uh, I can't say that it was a double feature. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> by Star Wars. <laughs> but, you know, that was my experience as well. I, I distinctly remember my dad loading this all in the car driving us there you know having the the tinny speaker kind of hanging on the window and uh experiencing that for the first time and i was only like four years old i was really young uh but it really imprinted itself on me uh it was yeah. kind of funny because he had asked a few months ago you know i didn't know you were this into star wars you got this podcast and you talk about it all the time he goes how'd you get into star wars i'm like you took me to the first film and he's like Oh, I did. <laughs> so that got him interested in going back and starting to rewatch the the films and getting into it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it's just it's been a great uh, source of entertainment for 42 years now. Uh, and the people that I've met through it, especially since I started the podcast, have just been uh, awesome. Just the most down to earth, uh, generous people that, that you could possibly imagine. Uh, the fact that we kind of try to stay in that positive space. I know Tom yeah. and I spoke 
ad nauseum before starting the podcast about how important it was to us to, to stay positive. And, and another thing that you guys had said last week was, uh, you know, that there's a difference between being critical and being negative. You know, it's okay to be critical of, of something that you love, uh, but you don't have to do it in a way that that is just negative. Uh, and that's really kind of the approach we take as well. So um, I think that's really important. I think that, you know, it's it's about entertainment. Not everything's going to be perfect. And, and we just want to have a good time with it. Right. You're not going to like everything. Nobody likes everything. So, of course, there are going to be things that you're you're not quite agreeing with. But as long as you have a good conversation about it, as long as you can see eye to eye and discuss things, you don't need to agree. But as long as you can have a civil conversation, it's all good. Yeah. And I, 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 I like that because I was seeing that um, with Disney. And you know, when we went through some entertainment changes at Epcot, uh, favorite groups went away. Groupies or whatnot. Oh, I'm not. That group's not here anymore. I'm not going to. I don't care how good this band is. I'm never going to see them. I'm going to stay away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, you know, with the Disney shutting down for a month or the rest of this month, you know, here and groups here, you know, who are third party groups being let go mm-hmm. um, because that's just the nature of the business. Um, yep. You know, people going, yay, they're finally gone. No, that's not cool because, you know, you, you never gave them a chance. It's just like this whole thing with the with Disney purchasing Lucasfilm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the fans who are critical, oh, I don't like the Dis- Lucas. Lucas went to Disney first to say, hey, they, he and Iger met at Hollywood Brown Derby said, hey, I'm thinking about getting out of the biz. Mm-hmm. I want to pitch it to you guys. Yeah. It wasn't like Disney bought it out from under him. No. He offered it to I Disney first because of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. So it goes back even further than that, though. I mean, it, you read any of the making of books and, and Disney had a huge influence on George Lucas. I mean, uh, Lucas's family oh, was down there for the second day that Disneyland was open. He always talked about the connection he had with Walt Disney in the sense that they were essentially storytellers. Yep. Uh, and that very much stands out in, in the work that both of them do and that he always had felt like if if someone else was going to I mean, he talked to Disney about, uh, you know, sponsoring or, or financing that first film as well. And it just wasn't the right thing at that time. But there was always a connection between Lucas and Disney, uh, as seen by, you know, him going to Ron Miller and then eventually Eisner for Star Tours. And so, yep. you know, they've always been closely tied together. Um, so it's not a surprise that he sold them to Disney. And, yeah. and Disney is a business. I, I talk often um, both on the show and on a lot of the live streams I do about the fact that the reason that it's so hard to recreate the magic of the original trilogy is the fact that at the time Lucas was rebelling against the system in Hollywood. He was willing to take risks with his own money uh, and he wasn't approaching it from a corporate mindset. But by the time Return of the Jedi finished, you know, he had made his fortune by risking his own, you know, cash over and over. And all of a sudden he had this merchandising wing and everything, and it was a corporation. And all of a sudden it started being, uh, you know, an amalgamation of kind of the the creative side. But he also had this company uh, that he was running as well, and he had to protect those employees. And, uh, you know, it fundamentally changed some things. Um, and, and so Disney isn't going to be no different. It's an investment for them. Of course, they want to still put out good films. But uh, to sit there and say that 
they've ruined Star Wars. I, I completely disagree with that. I, I think it's just uh, I do too. nature. Yeah. Here's All the other thing about that. And, and, and as far as what people think about Star Wars, especially like, you know, for many of the people who consider themselves longtime fans, okay, we are all longtime fans, okay? But just think about when we first watched a Star Wars movie. What age were we at? Uh, Rob, you were what? You said four, five? Oh. Yeah, four years old. I was eight years old when I first saw the original Star Wars, okay? We grew up in this world where these Star Wars films were amazing, spectacular, unbelievable. We were also kids, so it's a different one. If you look at, like, my son, who will tell you that his favorite Star Wars, he's a Star Wars fan, his favorite Star Wars movie, because it's the first one he saw, was The Phantom Menace. Now, there are very few people who will tell you The Phantom Menace is their favorite Star Wars movie, but it's the first one he really associated with, so I, I really feel that, you know, a lot of the people who are nitpicking everything that Disney does with Star Wars and everything else, you're looking at it as an adult many times. And I, I think that especially like the rise of Skywalker, I went into the rise of Skywalker and decided, look, I'm no matter what the story is, no matter what's happened, I'm going to try and go back and look at this as I did as a child, not be the cynic that I've kind of grown up to be in many regards. And I enjoyed it so much more to just go for this fantastic ride than to pick apart every little piece of the story. And I just find that happens much, much too often nowadays, rather than just enjoying it for what it is, this wonderful space adventure with laser swords and space bears. You know, that is what I think Star Wars should be, personally. And the murder bears. Don't forget the murder bears. And the murder bears. I love the murder bears. And, and the baker And the blue bullies. And the banker clan. <laughs> don't, you, don't you do it. Charles <laughs> and all day. Um, no, I, I agree with y'all. Uh, for me, I was 77. I was six going to turn seven. I was born in August. So, um, and I think I said this with conversations as well. It was a mediocre film that just happened to hit the right heartstrings. So with the crowd, uh, Tom, like your son, who they get the prequels, well, they don't know him better. You know, for us to be critical of, well, the prequels were, were good, but eh, it didn't hold up to to the original trilogy well if we're putting the original trilogy at six the prequels are five your kid sees it at six for me i have a daughter who's 10 now she's her first film in the theaters was the force awakens she puts that at the six mark and you know if we were to say each trilogy is mediocre but it seems like the group um a lot of the prequel generation can't accept the that the films were mediocre already which is fine we all have the higher opinion i mean for all of us the original trilogy feels like a nine even though it was a six but we accept that you know it's really a six but we hit we love it so much we give it that extra that extra bumps and, and we're not critical well, I, think, of it. Uh, I think a big part of it is excuse me a second a big part of it is also that it's it's for all of us fans i'm sure you guys can all all feel the same way it's it's not just a movie it's not you know it's not just a, a series of movies and stuff it it's it's so much more than that, and that's that's why we love it so much. Yeah, for me, it's the emotion and the feel as well. Yeah, but it's it's. I know it's had a big impact on my whole life. Um, my best friend uh, of over forty years, we, we grew up on Star Wars, and it was part of how we we bonded with each other. So you know that it it's 
entwined in, in a lot of of my life in different ways. So it's always more than just a movie. Yeah. yeah. I think also it's really not fair to put the original trilogy up against what we've had since then. Because you got to think when the original trilogy came out, what Lucas did, and I'm going to put Indiana Jones trilogy in with that, the original Indiana Jones movies. Lucas did something that had not been done on screen since like the 1940s. People at right. that point, there was no internet. So you didn't have um, all these sites picking up all these um, rights-free movies from back in the 40s. Oh, this is awesome stuff. He was doing what... Um, the Errol Flynn and um, Basil Rathbone, all those guys were doing back in the 30s and 40s. And they, um, it was brand new for this generation because they ha- weren't able to see that stuff anymore. And that, and there was a paradigm shift when Star Wars hit the screen because there was nothing that anybody could remember that looked anything like it. Yeah. It was a brand new concept for a way. Of, that's why he couldn't sell it. Because he, how are you going to tell a theater or a, um, theater chains? How are you going to tell a studio what this is when no one's done this in 30 years? And it was so up against like, the dark films at the time yeah Yeah. sci-fi was science fiction fantasy were both dead i mean they were going there was there were fans for them but it wasn't what it is now well as my dad the world as my dad said the reason why we went is it was a space he heard it was a space western he was interested i mean Mm -hmm. he he liked Mm -hmm. sci-fi he liked the old spaghetti westerns i mean he he liked war films as well what we watched on sunday or saturday afternoons sunday afternoons was if there wasn't racing on oh it was really interesting um yeah yeah but, but, um, but when you got, well, hang on, when we get up to like the Phantom Menace, we already knew what Star Wars was. Yeah. So he couldn't totally right. change the world with the Phantom Menace because, so he had to do something that was different from what he did before because Lucas ha- can't do the same thing over and over again. That's just not the way he's designed. So right. then he added more of the adult elements in there with the trade federations and all that stuff to try to keep with the the fans that had grown up, not realizing that those fans wanted the, what they had before. Right. Now, yeah. well, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say that the, the Thing, the reason that he started with the middle section of the nine film arc or 12 film arc or whatever, there's any number of ideas about how many he had originally planned, but he started with the film that he started with because he thought it was the best part of the story that was going to potentially allow him to make future films. So he always knew the the prequels was going to have a lot more of the politics and kind of the, the machinations of uh, Palpatine and, and the creation of the Galactic Empire and, and the fall of, uh, fall of Anakin. But, you know, he, he started with what he thought was going to sell. Uh, and then on top of it, like you said, I mean, it was all about changing, uh, changing the the way things worked in Hollywood, you know, bucking that and going his own way and making the film he wanted to make the way he wanted to make it, uh, but also creating the technology to be able to tell that story. And then with the prequels, he was, again, trying to push the envelope as far as technology went. And it just unfortunately was not quite to the point where it needed to be for him to do that without it kind of looking dissonant to us. And and certainly I talked about this with Tom on he'd kind of run through all the films leading up to Rise of Skywalker kind of in a Star Wars Remembered series on Hyperion. And we talked about the fact that one of the reasons that I think that the actor struggled so much in the prequels is no one had any experience working against blue screen at that point. So to act against something that's not there was a completely new thing, whereas now it's commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, also, you got to think, what was the state of sci-fi in 1999 compared to what it was in 1977. It was all over the place. Sci-fi was actually on its way up still. It was strong. Star, Star Trek was still going. All these other things were hitting 
And so it was actually a well, um, it was all over TV. It was all over movies, sci-fi fantasy. And um, basically what Star Wars is, was well represented already. So when he put that in there, it for Star Wars fans, it was awesome. But for the general population, it's like, oh, wow, Star Wars is out there. But it's just another film in the line of everything else that was coming. Yeah. It wasn't the only dog in the fight. And then even now, it's even it's got even worse with the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Look at where we're at now, where um, the, the fans of Star Wars and the fans of Star Trek and stuff are making their movies and putting them in the cinema going up against the original ones <laughs> it's kind of hard to compete there yeah. mm-hmm. it can be done but <laughs> um now speaking of films any loves star wars on twitter asked the question is there any storyline arc or character arc from the skywalker saga that you still want to see explored that you feel is unresolved uh, especially now that the saga is all over and if so what and in what format be it book comic movie or disney plus series my turn to go first this time yes um and i'm i look this is supposed to be coming out there's a little delay on it but i'm very excited rob mentioned it before i am a huge obi-wan kenobi fan i am excited to find out what happened in the years between revenge of the sith and you know original star wars and new hope i'm extremely excited for the kenobi series to see what that becomes i love you and mcgregor it was one of to me one of the bright spots of the prequel trilogy was Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I'm excited to see him take that role further. Um, I just fell in love with Obi-Wan somewhat uh, uh, in the original trilogy, but more in the prequels and even more in the Clone Wars. I love his character and I've just become a big fan and I just can't wait to see what has happened during that stretch of time when we just, it's just kind of an unexplored era really within the Star Wars universe. So that is, there's a lot of things I'm excited about, but that's probably the most yeah. exciting for me. Uh, before the you disturbance of the Force. I feel something terrible is happening. I have a quick follow up on that for you, real quick, before we move on to Rob here. That um, so we've talked about it much a lot on here. Do you feel that Obi Wan Kenobi he should ever actually leave Tatooine as part of the story, knowing his mission is to protect Luke Skywalker? Should he be actually leaving, or should he should all, the entire series basically be taking place on Tatooine? I believe personally that there are going to be some reasons. I, I know that that's his. His main objective is to protect Luke, but I do believe that he will feel that Luke is hidden enough, that he is well within this, that he can break away for an most for a very important mission that's not going to take him away for a while. But I do believe that that is going to be part of the storyline, the trouble that he's going to have of this is what I'm supposed to do, but I can see the importance of getting this done to help whatever else is happening within the galaxy at that moment. So there's going to be kind of this uh, inner turmoil he's going to have to go through through and I think that's kind of the drama that could build within this series and be very I think if he just kind of just sits there and is an old hermit on Tatooine uh, you know it might get a little dull so there needs to be something else some sort of other drama that comes through with it yes I believe that there will be some sort of uh, issues that come up where he feels he needs to protect Luke where he may, may need to mentor Luke obviously Luke knew old Ben Kenobi before he ran into him after the run in with the Tusken Raiders so he kind of knew what he was that he was around so there had to be some sort of interaction between the two before that point. I, I'm ex- 
excited to find out uh, every bit of it personally. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I get, I think I, we're going to see him leave. I would think, leave planet. Do, I think I think that we could see both. If it's a series, there's no reason why we can't see some extended time on Tatooine and maybe a story arc or two where he goes off planet. And yeah, agreed. Uh, I want to see him have to draw Inquisitors. I think they need to bring the Inquisitors into it. Yeah, and, uh, well, flesh that's out that's that the Inquisitors just happened to come across him before reporting him to or, to Vader. That, yeah, I mean I, something along the lines where he he you know gets some information that the Inquisitors are kind of poking around, getting close to Tatooine, and he has to leave the planet to go go off to the other side of the galaxy and draw them off, uh, you know, kind of leave a trail uh, of breadcrumbs for them and, and kind of get them going in the wrong direction before he circles back. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what about you? Any character arc or story arc? Man, I want to cheat and, and argue that Ahsoka is part of the Skywalker saga, <laughs> but okay. I won't do that. Why not? She's within well, the, I mean, the realm of the Clone Wars. She, she totally is. She totally is. So again, I think she has actually been covered fairly well. There's certainly some periods of time, uh, especially kind of after the end of Rebels when she goes off to to kind of track down Ezra um, that I want to see more about. I've heard some rumblings that there may be a, a sequel to Rebels in the works. I certainly hope that turns out to be the case. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that possibly be tied in in some ways to, uh, to the new Thrawn trilogy that they're talking about coming out later this year. Um, if that's tied in more with like the defense of the ascendancy, but, uh, you know, certainly Luke Skywalker, if, if I want to stick with a, a main character from the original Skywalker saga, uh, I would definitely say Luke, um, uh, primarily because I was such a big reader of all the stuff that came out in the EU. Um, and there were so many great stories. I know you guys talked about it last week that, you know, certainly there was some dissonance there and some jumbled storylines, but, uh, it was really cool to, to see Luke's progression as a Jedi after the end of of the original trilogy and kind of leading up to a point where, you know, he had, he had done some pretty incredible things. And I know that a lot of people were hoping to, to get more of that story within the sequel trilogy, uh, without that, without that really being delivered on. And in, in some cases, you know, just the shock of seeing where he was at the beginning of the sequel trilogy. Um, so that is a character that I would really like to have seen fleshed out more. Um, since you mentioned, I would say that we're not going to get it, but you know, what they can do with digital imaging at these, at this, point. Well, since you mentioned uh, Ahsoka, yeah. news broke this week. Rosario Dawson yeah. is Ahsoka in season two of Mandalorian and we may also end up getting Sabine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave before we, this one. Before we carry, carry on with the original answer. Yeah. Or the original question. That <laughs> yeah, I, question. I try. Uh, I, there's a part of me that wants to be super defensive because Ahsoka is such a, a great character within the comic or with, not within the comics, within the animated series. Um, that I would hate to see it not come off in a live action sense and, and have that take something away from the character. Uh, but that being said, that was originally one of the reasons I was so hesitant to get into the Clone Wars originally, because I had a hard time seeing a animated adaptation of, of Anakin and Obi-Wan and feeling like I was going to like those characters, especially Obi-Wan, as much as I did um, within the prequels and certainly, you know, the Alec Guinness version of Obi-Wan. And that turned out to be something I never had to worry about. It was it, they were really well portrayed within Clone Wars, and, and I ended up liking it immensely. So I guess I have to give benefit of the doubt that that if they feel like they can pull that off i'm going to give it a chance and 
Um, you know, like Tom said, I, I do try to approach this stuff from the mindset of not being the critic of, of just kind of letting my inner child enjoy it. And again, that's one of the reasons I love going to Disney because it lets me slough off my adult, <laughs> my adult self and just enjoy being a kid again. And Star Wars does that as well. I, I personally, I have faith in Dave Filoni, um, what he's done with the Clone Wars, with Rebels. I have faith if that's his decision. I, you know, Ashley Eckstein has done such a wonderful job uh, of playing Ahsoka, uh, both in Clone Wars and Rebels. And, you know, obviously would love to see her continue that. Uh, but I don't know if the rigors of what they're trying to get in a live action uh, Ahsoka, if she can necessarily pull that off. Great voice actress uh, and, and a good actress. But I don't know if she can pull it. So, I, I, again, I'm going to go on the fact that uh, Dave Filoni has, has rarely missed in this so far. I think he loves Star Wars. He loves the, the, the telling the story. He really loves Ahsoka. So I think if that's his decision, I, I'm going to go with it until it's proven incorrect. Right. Oh, I, I guess the, for me, one of the best examples I could use is love Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman in the animated series. I loved seeing him as Bruce Wayne in the Crisis crossover. But to me, seeing him on screen doing the role, even though I got the voice, I thought it was a, a weaker performance, but still love him as the voice actor. And I, I think that's the same way to apply here. While Ashley would be great hearing her voice, um, to me, I envision... Soka being taller at this time period, and Ashley just doesn't have the height for it. But uh, getting back to the original question from Danny, uh, Derek, character or story arc from the Star Wars saga? Well, before I get into that, I just want to add into what we were just talking about with Ahsoka. First of all, it's weird. I didn't. I don't actually. I never really thought of her as that tall. Maybe She's I'm got still more models. Yeah, but maybe I'm still stuck on like her the way she used to be when Clone Wars started, yeah. where she was just the annoying little kid. But I don't know. I I always felt like she didn't get that tall. But anyway, that's just me. Um, and the other thing is, the more I've thought about it, I'm slightly concerned. Not really concerned, but I just I hope by putting Ahsoka and possibly even Sabine into the Mandalorian, I hope that doesn't shadow the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's that's the only thing I'm hoping <clears throat> doesn't happen. Other than that, I'm, I'm happy, happy to see it. Um, no, so, and Disney fans always concerned about IP being placed into the park. So, you know, this is kind of uh, other Star Wars IP being placed within the Mandalorian. So uh, yeah. you can see the concern right. on, on for many people yeah. doing that. But, but you're not, I, like, oh, sorry. I was going to say, huh? I'm, I'm not that concerned because look at season one. You you had the Darksaber. You had Child, which everyone is, you know, immediately Baby Yoda with the Mandalorian. Um, I mean, and then I we had. I think that's what's going to tie into Ahsoka anyway. And then we had the spoke dark saber and the child. And then gonna, what's going to bring her in? And then we had the speculation of either Hondo or Cad Bane as well. You know, for that split second at the end of the uh, second Ming Na Wen episode. Yeah, the fifth episode, um, the Gunslinger. Yeah. So yeah, which to me, I think more Cad Bane with that title that that's teasing Cad Bane because he was the Gunslinger as well. Mm -hmm. So eventually, we're going to get. I would the, like to see. I, I would love to see a, a showdown in the street 
duel, the, the quick and the dead type scenario. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think bringing Ahsoka in um, is not going to overshadow the Mandalorian because I think the show is being handled well between Filoni and, and Favreau that it, it's it's in good hands. They're not going to put her in unless they feel it's vital to the story. Ahsoka didn't Man, over... They're in more than maybe two episodes. Ahsoka didn't overshadow Rebels when she was brought in there. And some of the other yeah. bigger names. Lando yeah, didn't overshadow. Yeah. And, and it's almost the same yeah. type of scenario, except live action. Mm. I, I, I think we're going to be okay. That's true, yeah. yeah. It'd be cool if they had the it's, Mandalorian. It's just, it's just a small... Them. No, I was yeah. just going to say, it'd be cool if they had the Mandalorian run into Sabine and Ahsoka kind of as they're headed out into the unknown regions after Ezra. Um, and maybe they just meet up for an episode and that's kind of, that'll lock us into the timeline of when they go on that hunt. It's It would be ironic if it was just the two of them uh, and it wasn't in some way, shape or form tied into the fact that they were leaving on their search for Ezra. Oh. But it has to tie into Darksaber though, especially with Sabine being involved in this, doesn't it? It has to tie into the Darksaber in some way, shape or form, even if I, it is for only an episode or two arc. See, I, I, well, foresee, also, I foresee a three episode arc. Yeah. yeah. Well, also you got to think this has to tie into Jedi at some point too, because remember he's looking for the child's people. Yeah, as far as we know, there's two Jedi in the galaxy, and that's it. And she's not technically a Jedi anymore, but she has connections to the underworld and to bounty hunters, all these people, that he may have heard of this um, this girl or this woman with uh, strange abilities and things. Hey, maybe she has something to do with what this kid can do. Yeah, but who, who's to say that yeah. they haven't already found Ezra as well, and they're coming back, and it's yeah. still that yeah, run possibly. And then because they mention oh, the person with the Darksaber, that second episode, you, you got Sabine plot how to basically get it back and then skip an episode or two then bring the trio back in and go hey Sabine's now here to help get Darksaber back on we don't know because the stuff's already been shot and filmed or almost filmed <laughs> so our speculation mm. is speculation uh, which is always fun that's one of the, the what, what we love about this is that yeah. speculating about these things and then uh, finding out in the future you know one way or the other and just enjoying the story as it progresses and seeing how our speculation either comes true or was completely Completely shot down, which is most often the case. <laughs> I've got a question for you guys, though, real quick. Yeah. So what do you think about the fact that Gideon shows up in episode seven of the first season of The Mandalorian and he lands that TIE fighter and you get the wings that fold? And to that point, the only the only uh, people flying around in a TIE that had the folding wings were the Inquisitors. Yeah, but theirs was, theirs was more. Any, they were rounded more. Yeah, but their, theirs was more like the advanced TIE one, not the advanced TIE two that we know vader to have right um and gideon's was a modified tie fight. straight up tie yeah, yeah. Um, it's just interesting seeing that wing folding technology on the inquisitor specific ties so i just it, thought and then he's have, up with neighbor yeah it could have something to do with his ties to the isb yeah are are you because kinda, of all this time in the isb now that he, once he moved up past that um we know moffs grand admirals and stuff have these special projects yeah. this may be something that gideon was having developed and he has the prototype but, Very could, true. Mm. but it sounds like you may be in implying as well that maybe Gideon might have been a Sith Inquisitor at one point and then once that pro and then once that program ended mm -hmm. uh, he was moved up the ranks that way or he took the he took the position I mean the Inquisitors yeah. certainly would be above just taking over Imperial resources so because his armor is all black mm -hmm. all, all, you gotta remember I gotta go back Inquisitors and watch that to see if his armor looks Inquisitor-esque or is it <laughs> similar to uh, um, General Vare's and the armor that the officers yeah. have. Also, the Inquisitors were almost almost entirely, um, you know, alien species of some sort. They weren't more of a, a human.
humanoid uh, type. Um, I know that's not completely true for every single one See, of them, but that kind of was why they tended to be. Yeah. Uh, well, we only saw what three of them. Yes. More now that we've got Jedi oh, Fallen Order. Yeah. Yeah. Fallen Order brought in a couple yeah. more, but and the comics. Yeah. The Vader comics uh, showed yeah. us a couple more. Well, yeah. But there's no. I mean, uh, there were nine identified, I believe, through the various sources of media. But there's no saying there weren't more than that. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on the idea. But but there's some interesting, uh, interesting phenomena there about you know him having the dark saber, him having this special modified uh, tie. I, I agree with what you're saying though. The the moths and the the uh, ISB officers. I could see them having their special projects as well. So I'll just be interested to see what route they decide to go with it. I think there's so a lot. Yeah. The great thing about Star Wars is just endless possibilities for ways they can go. Um, but I love the fact that that I'm seeing them bring back things from the EU that were cool concepts and maybe they didn't get carried out the way they should have. You know, Thrawn coming back, who was a great character, um, you know, coming back through Rebels and, and the books. Uh, you know, he's just he's right. just such an iconic character and they, they do such a good job of bringing back select things from the EU. Well, as right. you've, you've heard us talk about many times here, Lucas even yeah. said the EU was not canon, was never meant to be right. canon. Uh, right. And he right. even had a dislike for Mara Jade, not like that whole concept character. I think it was a little stronger than dislike. Okay, he <laughs> hated that character. But um, shortly after Solo came out, Pablo Hildago, Baloney, several within Lucasfilm said, hey, we understand y'all love for the EU. Let us finish the saga. And as, and as we have done with Rogue One, as we have done with Solo, as we're doing with Rebels, we're going to introduce some EU back in. We just have to pick and choose what's the best stuff to bring, and we will get that to you. Have well, faith. And, we've seen, and that's the thing. People don't have faith, and they don't have the patience yeah. for it. And right. what we see so far, like you said, with Thrawn, we got Thrawn. That is Grand Animal Thrawn. That is the character we saw. The events that happen around him have changed, but the character itself is there at its core. That is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. And some of the other things they brought in, the um, whatever it is that made it that, is still there. Even though it's in a totally different time and totally different events, whatever, it's still the same thing that was there. And bottom line with this, all of this, is that if you love the EU, as many of us do, it's it still exists. It's legends or whatever, but you can love it still. You can still read it. You can revisit it if you want. And maybe it, it's uh, being put back into the into canon in different ways, possibly, or maybe it's not. But that doesn't yeah. mean you can't still love that series of books, love that series of comics, whatever the case may be, and just enjoy when you do see a, a Grand Admiral Thrawn or whatever the case may be, uh, finally be uh, reinitiated into canon. And, and Disney never said hey, we're going to take this like Cinderella or any of the Disney animated films and throw it in the vault and you'll never see it again or you're not going to see it for seven years. They said, look, right. yeah, we're pulling it off the shelves, but it's still out there if you want it. We're not pulling every copy and saying we're recalling everything. It's still there. Mm -hmm. We're just not going yeah. to print it anymore because we got hey, new stuff. And the other thing is the EU over the years got very convoluted. So now they have a chance it's to, like you said, take the, the best stuff out of it and, and uh, kind of tighten it up a little and, and 
keep better control. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Well, also, I'm a huge DC Comics fan, so I have no problem with the multiverse. The EU is just part of the multiverse. It's another world out there that all of it happened. It all exists, but it's uh, it's not your main timeline. And being convoluted, that's a, another big comic book thing. That's no problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> Read the story for what it is. Yeah. Um, I guess we're going to give you all the chance to spin the tables on us. Any questions for us? Mm. Mm. Rob, you yeah, let you lead off. <laughs> no, I just, uh, you know, when it, when it comes back to something like Star Wars Rebels and the fact that they have kind of, uh, you know, talked a little bit about the possibility of there being a sequel to Star Wars Rebels, what would you guys want to see uh, in that Rebels sequel? What timeline do you think that they would uh, take on with that? Uh, want me to lead this one off, guys? I could jump in there for the moment if you right, want. Go for it. Um, I think the, the easy one, would be Ahsoka and um, Sabine going to find Ezra and see what happens there. But the more fun might be you go even farther ahead and um, catch up with General Sindula and her son as they're building the resistance. I like it. Because we've seen her build a rebel cell. Well, what would it be like with her building a resistance cells? Mm -hmm. The difference. And you get a little reference to that in Alphabet Squadron, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, we know what happens. What about you, Derek? Well, um, yeah, I like that idea because I, I, I am interested in seeing more stories from the time between Return of the Jet and The Force Awakens because that was a very big period of time that we haven't covered yet. So, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see the resistance being formed and everything. I think that would be interesting. For me, I want to see how it goes. I want to see season one kind of take place during that Mandalorian time period. That way, we could get a crossover of the Mandalorian and animated, and and finish the search for Ezra and Thrawn. And then uh, to continue on, let's get a little closer to the First Order. Maybe there's another group that the First Order splits off and forms from. And with the whole Darwin theory, mm-hmm. they become the they're the strongest, so they survive. But Thrawn is part of a new group that leads to a resistance being formed. And now here we go again. Here's Hera and Soka, Sabine, Ezra going up against Thrawn and his new group that ends up introducing Knights of Ren as well right near the end, taking this right into the same time period to resist. Yeah. See, for me, I'm curious what you guys think about, uh, you know, for so long... Star Wars has been very forced, very Jedi focused in many of their films and many of the television shows or whatever. But we're seeing a little more with uh, The Mandalorian, uh, with uh, Rogue One, for example, Solo Star Wars, where they're putting out movies and and, and series where they're not necessarily focused on the Jedi. And I want to know kind of what your feeling is on uh, would you prefer to see more delving into the Jedi or would you not mind looking into more of this universe as a whole where the Jedi are just actually a, a small portion of it? Well, I forget we're, we're going to get that as well with uh, casting an indoor series mm-hmm. that's coming that's out. That's true. There's not going to be yeah. much Jedi at all. Mm-hmm. Spending so. going out on the Rogue One uh, theory, yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek, why don't you start us off on this one? Oh, I want I would definitely, I've had enough Jedi, we've seen enough Jedi, I want to see the rest of it the rest one of the things i really like about the mandalorian is it focuses on him and not the jedi or the sith or whatever so i'm all for that 
Yeah, Ken. Uh, for me, you don't have to have Jedi there, but um, I would love to see them um pick up some of the threads that they dropped uh, at the end of Solo, because you could tell the way that was made that they was supposed to open up more of the universe and actually get into the criminal syndicates and stuff. And um, I think being Star Wars though, being in that galaxy, you have to have um hints that there's something out there other than just what's in front of you. Like in Mandalorian, the child can use the Force even though he's not Jedi. Um, there was little hints of little things in Solo and in the um Rogue one that acknowledge that the force exists even though nobody there could use it you know so it's um just like a mystical it's a mystical thing and um we know that uh from watching the original um new hope um han solo and everybody figured the that's just some mysticism some weird religion out there that they didn't know there was an actual physical thing called the force they just these were legends that they had heard about right. so um i would love to see them get into the smugglers and the um criminal syndicates and uh, you get like darth maul in there but he doesn't use the force at all no one even realizes he can do this things like that yeah. and then every once in a while you get a little tweak that reminds you hey you're still in star wars <laughs> for me um i've got two different things i would love to see done i would love to see him go back and focus on the republic commandos and, and do i mean since we get it with regular tv what's with seal team and we've had tour of duty and, or not tour of duty uh oh what was the other one it had uh what's his name from the uh all state commercials oh shit, can't think of his name. anyway his show um why not? Let, let's get a Republic Commando group. I mean, that was a group that oh, the book series was great. Uh, we don't have to see the Jedi as much. So they're there to, okay, we need you to go do this. Go do the missions. Two, three episodes. Come back. Here's the deal. Cool. Don't have to see a Saber Ignite at all. Uh, the other one that I would love to see as well, um, even if it's just re, um, it's like with the both. Let's see the whole both and spy network established and, and, and go there. Yeah. Um, whether... You know, it starts pre A New Hope or even starts in the Clone War era. Let's, let's go through the different realms of the both and how their spy network is so vital. I do. Uh, I actually have one thing that I want to weigh in, and it kind of ties into this question. It kind of ties into the one I asked before. But, you know, we always have this idea in our heads, especially those familiar with Thrawn from the EU, of him being this this mega villain, this, this person that is setting himself against the Rebellion um, or, you know, whoever whoever the, the good guys are in that particular scenario, the New Republic in, in the case of the EU. Uh, I think it would be interesting, you know, he and Ezra disappear together at the end of season four of Rebels uh, and Ahsoka and Sabine go looking for him. We never really see any of those characters reappear within any of the, the subsequent Star Wars stuff that we've had to date, at least. I think it would be really interesting right. if Ezra and Thrawn had actually aligned, um, come to some understanding and, and Thrawn kind of saw past the the emperor and and what he was uh and realized that ezra was was on the side of right and they end up back in the chiss ascendancy which was always essentially protecting the known star wars galaxy from outside threats uh and the two of them and ahsoka and sabine kind of allying themselves and kind of fighting off uh, some of these outside threats and protecting the galaxy that way it would certainly tie in with why we never see any of those characters within any of the established canon and I think it would be a whole new twist on Star Wars, um, which I think would be a lot of fun. It would be. It could be interesting. Yeah. I could actually see that. If you look at, actually, um, if you read the Thrawn books, Thrawn, um, it seems, basically, he aligned himself with the Emperor because he's the... Um, the most powerful 
trouble being in the galaxy. So he's right. uh, he knows, okay, this guy's in charge because he's got the power to, and um, he's smart enough to actually be in charge. If someone yeah. else would actually say, hey, and show that they could actually take on the Emperor, I could see Thrawn switching. Because yeah, he's very logical, very military. Yeah, huh? he's very proud. He knew that the Emperor had this military and then no one else was going to be able to consolidate power in time to protect the galaxy, right. you know, from the threat, the threats that were out there. So you very exactly. practical. So in a situation where it's him and Ezra and they're the only ones out there, of course he's going to work with Ezra. Well, yeah. and to see he's the, a military genius. Well, and to see what Ezra did to him, to put him in the situation, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. he sees mm-hmm. that as well. Maybe this is the one the Jedi always refer to, and not realizing it's Luke or even Rave or the line. Yeah, right. because it really, if you read the. Th- on books, if I remember correctly, because it's been a minute since I read them, his only true loyalty where he don't goes against, won't go against that loyalty is to the Chiss. Correct. His yeah. people. But as long as you're not doing something against his people, he'll work for whoever's the um, strongest. Right. Yeah. Where can people find you guys online and find the show? Yeah. Um, you can find our podcast episodes pretty much anywhere you, you listen to podcasts. Uh, certainly if you've got a podcast service that you use and you can't find us, shoot us a message. Uh, you can find us on our website at JTA Podcast dot com uh jta podcast at gmail.com for email uh we're on all the social media at jta podcast and we also have a voicemail if you ever want to drop us a line with an idea about a show or just your comments about uh something we're talking about or something that is on your mind star wars related and you can get a hold of that at 201-746-5827 which is jtap so um that's us and uh, tom can also be found at his podcast at hyperion adventures yeah yeah uh, at Hyperion Adventures Podcast on uh, social media, on Twitter, and at Hyperion Adventures Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, and HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. But mostly we're about the Jedi Temple Archives podcast today. We cover some Star Wars on the other as well, so we do. Uh, we do. Try to spread around. Well, for us. Especially uh, a journey to Batu, you know, from here. Yes. Uh, for us, you can find us on all social media at Wookie Radio. Uh, email us at Wookie at WookieRadio.net. Uh, website, WookieRadio.net. Um, anything else I'm missing, guys? Large nope. cash donations go to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Republic Credit Spring. Right. Yes. Uh, or uh, or on Calflon. If, <laughs> if there's nothing else. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Calm down. I guess that's Chewie saying it's time to just say one last thing. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire. 